This morning's Old Testament reading is from the book of 2 Samuel in the 23rd chapter, the opening seven verses. These are, as the text tells us, the final words of King David. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Now these are the last words of David. Thus says David, the son of Jesse, Thus says the man raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel, the Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spoke to me, he who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be like the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds like the tender grass, springing out of the earth, By clear shining after rain. Although my house is not with God, yet he has made me, made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. For this is all my salvation and all my desire. Will he not make it increase? But the sons of rebellion shall all be as thorns thrust away, because they cannot be taken with hands. But the man who touches them must be armed with iron. And the shaft of a spear, and they shall be utterly burned with fire in their place. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Our New Testament reading this morning is from the Gospel according to John, in the 18th chapter, beginning verse 33 and continuing through verse 38. Again, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world To testify to the truth, everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, what is truth? Here ends this reading from God's holy word. As we are on the cusp now of entering the season of Advent, we will soon begin turning our eyes toward Bethlehem. Well, at least those of us who claim to be Christians. For most of the country, eyes will be turning toward Amazon or Macy's or Walmart as they concentrate on what to give rather than on what they have already received or what they are hoping to get, rather than what they already have. 
For us, though, we are about to be drawn again to the biblical story of the fulfillment of God's great promises to his people. And there has been none so great as that which came in the form of that baby in a Bethlehem stable. Of course, when these events took place, few, if any, had any sort of understanding of the circumstances that surrounded them. The miraculous nativity has only come into sharper focus after the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, the one whose birth set all these events into motion. Our passage this morning comes not from the beginning, but from the end of Jesus' earthly ministry as he is taken before the Roman prefect who was in Jerusalem during the annual Hebrew religious festival known as the Passover of the Jews. As part of his responsibilities, Pilate was tasked with ascertaining whether this accused rabble-rouser named Jesus was eligible to be crucified. The Jewish authorities had leveled charges of blasphemy against him, but that really wasn't a concern of the empire and her officials. What is of concern to them, however, are those who might be fomenting sedition to determine what potential threat this Nazarene might be to Caesar. Pilate first asked him directly whether he is king of the Jews. Now, being a rabbi, Jesus tends to view interaction with folks from a, a wide range of backgrounds. Conversations like this, grave as the situation was, as opportunities. Opportunities for him to do some teaching. And that really is the greatest legacy he leaves as truly human. And it is really as much of a legacy as many people can stomach to believe about him. Whatever else he could instruct. So he begins not by giving an answer to the man who holds the reins of life and death in his hands. Instead, he asks a probing question of his own, essentially saying, did your own keen intellect enlighten you, or are you just repeating gossip? Do you really want to know? And thus begins a back and forth between these two men, which opens up for the readers and hearers of the gospel, according to John, a window into a cosmic clash between the basic understanding of kings and kingdom. To Pilate's mind, the man who was brought in before him was considered by some as a pretender to the throne of the Jews. The accusation that he was investigating was that this man was claimant to the throne of the Hebrews, which was currently occupied by Herod Antipas, who had been in power since the death of his father, Herod the Great, King of the Jews since the time when Jesus was but a child. Now, this mattered to Rome 
and therefore to Pilate because this was a perceived threat. He was the emperor's regional representative, and the empire had, by force of arms, assumed responsibility for enforcing the legitimacy of the Herodians as the political leaders of the Hebrews in Jerusalem and in the surrounding region. Therefore, if someone was a threat to the stability of the Herodian monarchy, they would also be seen as something of a threat to the empire that was backing them. So when he asked Jesus about his claim to be king then, this is the threat that he is attempting to assess. But as Jesus' response indicates, the Roman authorities, and for that matter, the Jewish authorities as well, failed to understand the magnitude of the claims that he was making about himself. Their concern was all about protecting the status quo. Jesus was one who was had an, a maddening habit about, of upsetting the status quo. And so it's no surprise that eventually a confrontation such as this was going to take place. What becomes clear is that when Pilate and his folks and Herod Antipas and his folks fail to understand Jesus, it's on account of the nature of the kingdom over which Jesus has been divinely appointed to reign. The truth was, yes, Jesus was king. The truth is, yes, Jesus is king. But because the Romans and the Hebrews alike were ignorant of the relationship between this king and his kingdom, they could not understand his identity. As unfortunate as it was for those in power 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem to get this wrong, it is just as unfortunate today for those in our world who continue to get this wrong. As I was searching for a cover image for this morning's bulletin, on this Sunday that we celebrate the reign of Christ I came across an array of images that depicted a king of human tradition, symbolized by the trappings of the office, golden crowns, jewel-encrusted swords, battle mounts in armor. These are just the iconic images that somebody like Pilate would have been very familiar with and probably would have attributed to the emperor Caesar. Today's understanding of the kingship of Jesus seems to be little changed if the depictions that I saw were any sort of representative of that understanding. But throughout his ministry, this royal had dispensed with pomp and circumstance he would have had much more in common, it would seem, with pauper than prince. In fact, Jesus was inaugurating his kingdom through death. Well, to be fair, that was not an uncommon way for monarchs in the day to assume the throne. Assassinations within families were an expedient method 
to assume power when they couldn't wait for an inheritance. But for Jesus, his ascension to the throne of power was paradoxically through his own sacrificial death. Very strange indeed. But because we know the nature of our ruler as citizens of his upside-down kingdom, we can also understand the way in which the citizens of that kingdom should live in accordance with his laws and unlike so many kingdoms of this earth, in accordance with his example. He has told us the truth. He can do no other, for he is the very source of truth. Pilate could not understand what he said or who he was because Jesus wouldn't play the games of the power hungry. He would speak only the truth. We see that Jesus was confounding Pilate, and it seems as if Jesus continues to confound. He is a king, but he is not a king after the manner of Herod or of Caesar. His kingdom is of a magnitude far greater than that of any human dynasty. So it is perhaps then fitting that he should not resemble one of the kings of the earth. 21 years ago now, in the New York Times book review, Mary Lefkowitz observed the nation that there are, the notion rather, that there are many truths might well seem suited to a diverse society, a society perhaps like ours. But when everyone is free to define truth as he or she prefers, as it is at present, the result is an intellectual and moral shouting match in which the people with the loudest voices are most likely to be heard. In the two decades since, it would seem, our society has borne out her hypothesis as voices have only gotten louder and harsher, amplified by the multitude of new media outlets. But really, the human condition itself has not changed as Pilate in his day was defining the truth for himself, a truth that he measured by the one who has the biggest army, by he who wields the most power, by he who has the gold, for he always is the one who makes the rules. Unlike the rule of Jesus, however, another set of rules apply altogether. And he tells Pilate that those who listen to his voice know this. Unfortunately, Pilate is deaf to Jesus. What about us? Are we deaf to Jesus as well? To what kingdom are we pledging our allegiance? Whose voice do we hear and follow? The question is not a rhetorical one. It is a practical, persistent, and recurrent one. What truth do we know? The truth of Pilate? The truth of Herod? The truth of the scribes and the Pharisees? The truth of the one who shouts the loudest? That is the question that faces us day in and day out. 
to fit ourselves for making these difficult and very consequential choices, the God who made us and loves us still has been speaking to us for a long, long time. His word has been heard down through the millennia, and we have a record of that truth as we are about to be reminded again throughout the Advent journey that we will be embarking on. This God was so eager for us to know his voice that he put on flesh and came to dwell with man in the midst of his creation so he could chat with us face to face and we could hear him speak. And this is the voice that is right there, smack dab in front of Pilate. This is the voice that he and his co-conspirators thought that they could silence upon a cross. This is the voice that continued beyond Calvary, beyond Golgotha, beyond Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, beyond Rome and to all the ends of every empire that has arisen since the time of the Caesars. It is the voice of one who reigns in a kingdom without end, forever and ever. Amen. So what voice will you heed? What ruler will you choose to hear and to follow? As individuals and as a nation, we prepare to give thanks this week for and with family, friends, food, and football. As we do so, may we quiet our thoughts and still our hearts to hear once again the voice of the King through whose providence we have come to enjoy all of these things and more. And for that, we may truly say thanks be to God and amen.